The Falcons are blocking their assistance from other jobs. What does it mean? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everyone, welcome back to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. So, guys, if you don't know me, I'm your illustrious host, your very humble host, Aaron Freeman. Covered the Falcons for far too long, formerly at Falcons.com, RIP. Covered several coaching cycles in that period of time since 06, since I first started blogging at my old website and uh, still going strong on this illustrious podcast. And, uh, you know, appreciate all the everydayers that tune in each and every day that make this illustrious podcast your first watch, first listen. And all you got to do to join the in group is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today is an extra episode that we are tacking on at the end of the week because we got to get to that week 18 all 22 review against the Saints. Better late than never. Um, obviously, a lot of stuff has happened in the week since. Uh, we'll talk about one of the first interviewees that the Falcons will conduct in their co head coaching vacancy in Anthony Weaver, the Ravens D-line slash assistant head coach. But we'll start not looking externally at the Falcons coaching candidates, but internally because the Falcons are blocking coaches. There have been various reports this week that the Falcons are blocking their current assistant coaches from interviewing for other jobs. There was a report that Dwayne Leverd, the Falcons offensive line coach, was blocked from um, interviewing for the Giants offensive line coach. Uh, Ryan Nielsen, the Falcons defensive coordinator, was blocked from the Jaguars defensive coordinator job. Marquise Williams, the Falcons special teams coordinator, blocked from the Giants, uh, again, for a similar role. And teams are allowed to do this when their assistant coaches that are under contract as these guys are uh are you know being trying to lure to make lateral moves right so you guys were may remind be reminded of the multiple times the broncos seemingly blocked the falcons like back in 2019 when they were looking for a new offensive coordinator and they blocked gary kubiak who eventually went to the minnesota vikings uh and ajiro evero this past offseason uh, the previous offseason, obviously, uh, where the Falcons were looking for a new defensive coordinator. And Achiro Evero went to Carolina. Of course, Ryan Nielsen wound up here in Atlanta. And, you know, I've seen a lot of speculation. What, is it, what does this mean? Right. And, you know, the simple answer is the Falcons seemingly hope that they can retain some of their current assistants on whoever winds up being the new head coach's staff. Now, of course, you're asking, yeah, Aaron, we get that. But why? And again, we can speculate. And I've seen some speculation. Again, and I'll echo that speculation here that maybe the reason why the Falcons are doing this is because specifically the Falcons really just soured on Arthur Smith as the head coach, as the play caller, which leads some to the conclusion that they're only really looking to replace the head coach in the play caller, which would lead you down a path to thinking that the Falcons are really leaning towards an offensive-minded head coach that could take over in that similar role where they're looking for someone else to come from another organization to make a lateral move to what Arthur Smith did. And that 
would lead you to think that the three offensive coordinators that the Falcons have requested interviews for, Ben Johnson of the Lions, Bobby Sloak of the Texans, Brian Callahan of the Bengals, maybe one of these three guys is the actual front runner or the preferred candidate to land this gig. Makes sense, right? I think the logic checks out. It would also lead credence to the idea that Bill Belichick, that you've heard me express before, is not necessarily the Falcons' top target in this coaching search, as so many have speculated over the last few days uh, this week. So I'm not quite ready to make that conclusion as others have. Again, you know, I'm skeptical of Bill Belichick being the guy, not because I don't think he's the preferred target, but I, I do wonder about the process. And that's really what we're talking about. It's about the process. And so that's where uh, sitting here and saying this is what the Falcons want, it's hard for me to go there because there is a process to that. And then once like you have to actually interview these guys, it goes back to the conversation I had with Jarvis Davis on yesterday's episode, you know, you're, you're spitting your game to these various ladies. The analogy is, and you know, who, who you're going to hit up later on is based off of, you know, that conversation. You, you can look and think, Oh, I like there. She's pretty, she's, pre you know, prettier than now. You, you get what I'm saying, but like, Ultimately, that's not going to be the deciding factor. So maybe the Falcons are thinking, yeah, we would like Ben Johnson. He's our top candidate right now. But then you actually talk to Ben Johnson. You're like, eh, well, he's not that special. You know, maybe it's Anthony Weaver that we covered. Maybe it's, hey, this Raheem Morris guy, you know, we missed that. You know, we forgot how sharp he is and, and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you can rank the nine guys going into you know this week or next week or whatever and, and and the the number one guy winds up being number six by the time you 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 get through this process the number six guy winds up being the number one guy so ultimately you got to let this process play out and you know ultimately it's going to boil down in my opinion to who wins you over in that interview room when you go through this process and rather than predicting how that's going to go you know instead on this illustrious podcast we're just going to focus on you know potentially what each candidate brings to the table and we'll just break down the pros cons all that sort of stuff so that's what we're going to do coming up on this podcast and i said nine candidates if you listen to yesterday's episode we only mentioned eight that the falcons had requested for interview uh we got one more the ninth guy being baltimore ravens defensive coordinator mike mcdonald who is responsible for producing the nfl's best defense unless you're a cleveland browns jim schwartz truther Right. But, you know, I, I'll give the Ravens the nod. Brown's very close second in terms of the best defense in the NFL this past year. But we're not going to talk about Mike McDonald in today's episode. We're going to talk about another Ravens staffer. That is Anthony Weaver and Diana Rossini of The Athletic uh, reported on Friday that the Falcons are scheduled to interview him this weekend on Sunday. And Weaver is an intriguing option for the Falcons because I think he could emerge as kind of a dark horse that could ultimately win over uh you know this organization the deciders you know Arthur Blank the owner Rich McKay the team president and you know somewhere in the back getting coffee Terry Fontenot the Falcons general manager you know potentially in the room and we'll break down why I think that uh, as we continue today's locked on Falcons but first, guys, I want to tell you about Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy all the tickets to the sports, comedy, music, and theater near you. We've got killer last-minute deals, which means you can buy tickets right up to the start of the event and sometimes even after. They got all-in prices. You're not going to get hit with any hidden fees. Views from the seat mean that you know exactly what to expect when you arrive, and their best price guarantee means if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, they'll credit you 110% the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, 
Create an account and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. But again, create that account and redeem code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. So before we continue today's episode, I do want to plug the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel, the first of its kind here on YouTube. Check it out if you want to get the scoop on the biggest stories across all the leagues in sports that the Locked On Network uh, provides your team every day. And check out the Locked On Sports Atlanta 24-7 streaming channel if you're looking for more local insight into the Falcons, Hawks, Braves, Bulldogs, Georgia Tech, all that and more. Uh, if you're into Atlanta and Georgia sports. So your team every day. So let's talk about Anthony Weaver. And for those of you that don't quite know how the rules for interviews work, um, you know, basically the teams that are playing this weekend in, in the uh, wild card round, the Falcons can't interview those, the, the assistant coaches on those staffs until next week. So I think it's three days. So Saturday games like Houston, right? Bobby Slowick, he can interview on Tuesday, uh, Sunday games like, the Detroit Lions, Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, those guys can interview on Wednesday at the earliest. But since the Ravens are off this weekend, they have a bye, you know, their coaches are immediately available to interview right about now. And so that theoretically could mean that the Falcons could interview Mike McDonald, Anthony Weaver, Steve Wilkes, the 49ers defensive coordinator. Those could be among the first people to interview and potentially could help themselves by making a very promising first impression. Now, obviously, Bill Belichick could go on that list. There has been nothing formal that the Falcons have lined up an interview with Bill Belichick as of this recording. But since he's technically out of a job, right, he could interview as soon as possible as well. But let's talk about Anthony Weaver, right? Because he's probably of these nine coaches, 10 if you want to throw Bill Belichick in there, 11 if you want to add Jim Harbaugh to the list. You know, he's probably the guy that you guys know the least amount. And going into this process, I also knew the least amount of him. But I'm intrigued by him because I heard earlier this week Diana Rossini uh, of The Athletic sort of talking him up on The Athletic Pod to Robert Mays as sort of this up-and-coming coach that a lot of people are keeping their eye on as one of, you know, a, a guy that could be an up-and-comer in this coaching thing. And, you know, I knew of Anthony Weaver before that because I knew of him from his playing days. He was a second-round pick with the Ravens out of Notre Dame back in 2002, played four years there, then signed and, and played a couple of years with the Houston Texans. Uh, then he shortly got into coaching thereafter. Right, He was a graduate assistant at Florida under Urban Meyer. He made the leap to an NFL assistant in 2012 as an assistant D-line coach when the Jets were coached by Rex Ryan. Ryan was, of course, Anthony Weaver's position coach, that D-line coach, when Weaver was uh, playing for the Ravens. He spent a year in Buffalo as a D-line coach under Doug Marone. Uh, then he went to Cleveland when Mike Pettin was the head coach there, uh, who was also part of that Ravens staff when he was a player there. Uh, then he became a D-line coach for Bill O'Brien in Houston. There he coached guys like J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. Then, you know, O'Brien got fired, and then Weaver went back to Baltimore in 2021 as the D-line coach, as the run game coordinator, coaching under Wink Martindale, who was the D.C. there. Uh, before Wink Martindale got canned, uh, most recently of the Giants, before he resigned his position this past week. Um, and then uh, Weaver was one of the candidates that the Ravens interviewed as an internal option to replace Wink Martindale. Ultimately, that job went to Mike McDonald, as you well know. Um, but in the process, you know, clearly impressed the Ravens a lot. And so they uh, promoted him to, I think, officially associate head coach, which, you know, is basically assistant head coach uh, to, 
as as part of his as well as his D-line duties. Now, we watched this Ravens defense really take off, you know, for a, a variety of reasons. Mike McDonald's influence. Uh, you saw a big jump from this Ravens D-line and pass rush. Justin Matabuke, who is the uh, D-tackle for them, had a monster year. Is going to be one of the top free agents this um, offseason, uh, potentially. Jadavion Clowney had a career-high year. Of course, our guy Chuck Smith, uh, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons, you know, Dr. Rush, all that stuff, uh, was a member of that Ravens staff. So I'm sure he had a big influence on why that pass rush made a big jump. But certainly Anthony Weaver probably had his hand in there. Now, I think a lot of people are looking at Anthony Weaver and kind of overlooking him because he lacks play calling experience. But to me, what's fascinating is that when you look at the 14 teams that have that are currently in the playoffs, a, a bunch of them were coached are currently being coached by guys that prior, you know, prior to them landing jobs weren't play callers, right? Andy Reid. Now, not with Kansas City, but when he originally got the job over 20 years ago with Philadelphia, he had no play calling experience. Mike McDaniel had no play calling experience before he landed in Miami. John Harbaugh obviously was a coordinator, a special teams coordinator, uh, but no play calling experience. Nick Sirianni did not call plays when he was with the Colts before he landed uh, in Philadelphia. Dan Campbell with the Lions did not call plays. And then you look at some of the other coaches that are in the playoffs. They didn't have that much play calling experience before they became head coaches. Kevin Stefanski was a play caller for a year and a half. D'Amico Ryans, defensive coordinator for two years. Mike Tomlin, defensive coordinator for one year. Matt LaFleur, play caller for one year. Sean McVay only called plays for two years in Washington before he went to the Rams. Todd Bowles was only a play caller for two and a half years before he got his first stint as a head coach with the New York Jets. And so that's why you constantly hear me tend to be a little bit more dismissive than a lot of others when it comes to this idea that being a great coordinator is going to lead to you being a great head coach. I think that whole notion is very overrated. And I think if you look at this year's playoff pool, it really reaffirms that sort of notion. Now, some of the reason why some of these guys only had a limited experience is because nowadays, especially some of the guys that have gotten jobs in the last few years, the Matt LaFleurs, et cetera. Kevin Stefanski, D'Amico Ryans, et cetera. You know, you could argue is it because nowadays, you know, guys get fast-tracked a little bit quicker. Uh, you know, you have a, one year or, or so of success and you're immediately, uh, you know, a potential head coach. And, and that's what we kind of talked about yesterday on with Jarvis about Bobby Slowick, right? And one year of play calling in Houston. And now all of a sudden he, he may, he has a pretty good shot of landing one of these eight open uh, gigs uh, currently in the NFL. Now, when we talk about Anthony Weaver specifically, you know, again, I don't think you should get too caught up on the lack of play calling experience. I think you got to think of Anthony Weaver as more of a culture guy. Think of him in the same ways that you think of Dan Campbell, right? As a culture guy, right? Now, obviously, for someone like that, it's going to be really important for him to assemble the right staff and the particularly, you know, as a defensive minded guy, finding the right guy that can call plays. You look at Dan Campbell, his initial person that he tapped to be his play caller was Anthony Lynn. And then he realized about halfway through that first year, like this isn't working. And then that led to the promotion of Ben Johnson. But, you know, that's going to be an important hire for someone like an Anthony Weaver. Should he land one of these vacancies, including the Atlanta Falcons could, you know, you, you look at, you know, D'Amico Ryan's Bobby Slowick, like that choice of Bobby Slowick was a big part of the Texans making that turnaround this year under D'Amico Ryan's as that defensive minded uh, head coach. And D'Amico Ryan's similar to Anthony Reaver, former NFL player, uh, all that and more. But, you know, 
you you know it leads us to sort of speculate okay well, let's 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 hypothetically imagine you know maybe who some of these coaching connections that Anthony Weaver could lean on for his offensive coordinator does he look at uh, our guy Bill O'Brien who potentially would be also an option for someone like a Bill Belichick here as a play caller uh, in Atlanta, does he tap the Shanahan coaching tree? Because it's it, interesting with uh, Weaver when he was a player in Houston, Kyle Shanahan was the OC there, right? You know, Mike McDaniel was also an assistant on that staff. And then when uh, Weaver became an assistant under Mike Pettin in Cleveland, who also was the uh, OC in 2014, that was Kyle Shanahan. Now, obviously, he stayed on for another year while Shanahan came here to Atlanta. So that hire, that, you know, who he's going to pick as his play caller, if Anthony Weaver is going to have a lot of success, you know, mirror that success of Dan Campbell, D'Amico Ryans, it's going to matter who he picks as that play caller. But, you know, I think, again, the, the, the selling point on Anthony Weaver is probably he's more about fixing the culture. And I've seen a lot of people over the last couple of days, you know, in part of their sort of push for why Belichick makes a lot of sense for the Falcons. Uh, but I've seen a lot of people being talking, focusing less on, you know, the X's and O's of what the new head coach is going to bring to Atlanta. You know, as some people, you know, a lot of people thought. Arthur Smith's biggest failing was his play calling, but I've seen others sort of focus on this team has a losing culture, so to speak. Right. And, you know, Weavers could fix that. So if that's something that matters to you, I think you should pay a little bit more attention to Anthony Weaver than you're maybe doing currently. And so I kind of see him as a potential dark horse for this Falcons vacancy. Right. But again, a lot of people will probably overlook him simply because he's not a coordinator because again, as I mentioned before, too often, I think people just basically say, well, the best head coaches are the best play callers. And I hope that I've kind of illustrated, poured cold water on why that's sort of a misleading, misguided sort of notion. Now, it's not to sit here and say that being an excellent play caller isn't very valuable for a head coach. But as I've mentioned on previous episodes, I tend to think of it's more like 20% of the job versus I think a lot of other people kind of see it as 80% of the job of being a head coach. And I, I just don't really agree with that, but you know, we'll discuss more of these potential candidates and some of these guys like the Ben Johnson's, the Mike McDonald's, et cetera, that are top notch play callers based off of their body of work. We can talk about why people tend to, you know, equate that being a high level play caller to being a high level success and what value being that high level play caller does bring to the table as a head coach. But my point more is just like, I don't think that's the end all be all, but there is value to that. Uh, and we'll potentially discuss that in the coming days and week. And th that's my plan. We'll, we'll talk about, you know, all of these candidates, right? We've already talked about Ben Johnson. We've now discussed uh, Anthony Weaver and we'll, you know, we'll sprinkle in some of these other seven guys and whoever else is on the list as well. We also talked about Bill Belichick earlier uh, this week as well. So that is be something that you can look forward to, you know, as an everydayer of this illustrious podcast in the coming days over the next week, since we won't be reviewing any games. Uh, potentially, we might be looking at, you know, some draft conversation on Monday. You know, uh, not a full mock draft Monday, but just we'll, we'll talk about maybe how that those first eight picks are potentially looking uh, at that point. But, you know, to finish my point about Anthony Weaver, it's, you know, another thing that's going to be interesting about Weaver specifically that also would probably apply to Mac McDonald or really any of these coaches, because we, we have no idea what's going to happen in the playoffs. But any of these guys, I just mentioned those two because Baltimore is kind of the favorite at this point in time to come out of the AFC as the one seed. Um, but any of these 
coaches that are on teams that make a deep playoff run, that could be uh, a hindrance to them getting jobs. That was something that was often mentioned as a contributing factor to why Eric Bieniemy uh, didn't have success. Uh, was constantly passed over as a head coach in previous years because of Kansas City's success and teams not being patient to to kind of wait till you know now nowadays you know early February mid February to hire some of these guys so that'll be something to pay attention to uh, as the the playoffs unfold but we'll we'll leave the Anthony Weaver conversation aside we'll revisit the Falcons most recent game not a playoff game which is the well, week 18 loss to New Orleans Saints I'll give you some of my thoughts on. Desmond Ritter, some of the other issues that led to the Falcon struggle, how that, you know, couple of plays, you you kind of flip the switch and, you know, they go the Falcons way rather than against them. You know, we might have had a very different outcome for this Saints game, sort of piggybacking on a point I made earlier this week where the Falcons seemingly got 90 percent of the way there to making the playoffs this year. Um, and you know, that, you know, they got 90% of the way there to winning a game, which seems pretty crazy when you look at the final score of a 41, 17 game. And it's like, you know, that game for at least three quarters was probably closer than the score indicated, which is something I think Arthur Smith said, uh, in his final presser with, um, the Falcons before he was dismissed, but I'll echo some of those sentiments as we wrap up today's locked on Falcons. So it is a new year. And maybe you have a resolution to be better prepared for the challenges that may come in 2024. And one of those challenges may be challenges to your health. And you always want to be prepared and have access to the life-saving medications that you need. And Jace Medical is here to provide for you, especially now that there has been a recent uh, shortage on antibiotics, uh, according to the FDA earlier this fall. And Jace Medical gives you access to the Jace case. It's a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, whether, you know, those are UTIs, respiratory, sinus infections, so much more. So visit Jace Medical and a board certified physician will review what you need. And then a licensed pharmacy will send you those medications at a fraction of their regular cost. So as I say, guys, it's more important than ever to be prepared today. So go to jacemedical.com and use our code locked on and you'll get an additional $20 off that, uh, you know, savings with your order. That's J-A-S-E, Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code locked on and you'll get $20 off. So as I mentioned um, earlier, you know, my plan for Monday's episode is, you know, maybe looking ahead to the mock draft, we'll sort of potentially talk about, you know, some of these other potential coaching candidates as well, similar to how we just had that conversation with Anthony Weaver and earlier this week talking about Ben Johnson and Jim Harbaugh and, um, you know, uh, uh, Bill Belichick. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm slipping the brain. We talked a little bit about Raheem Morris on yesterday's episode. So uh, with Jarvis, so probably n- not planning on doing much more of a deep dive, but we may revisit Raheem Morris later this week. So keep uh, that on your radars as part of, of, uh, you know, as your first listen here on Locked on Falcons, your team every day. But let's talk about the Falcons week 18 loss to the Saints, you know. And, you know, I thought Desmond Ritter, who we've discussed a lot this year, uh, obviously, you know, I thought he played pretty well in the first half, right? I'm not going to say he was incredible, but I thought he definitely looked sharper in that first half than he had in his previous starts. You know, was decisive, showed some nice touch and accuracy on a couple of throws in those first two quarters. But obviously, you saw a dip in that performance in the second half. You started with that interception on the opening drive where I just think he simply misread that play. You know, the Falcons seemingly dialed up a smash concept, which is a outbreaking route 
combined with the vertical route. Uh, usually the outbreaking route is a corner route. And so you had Drake London running the vertical uh, to sort of clear it out. Pitts running behind him on an outbreaker. And Elante Taylor was initially covering Drake London on that vertical, but then quickly came off of that sort of reading what the Falcons were doing and jumped into the throwing lane. Easy pitch, uh, pitch and catch to the defender. So I think Ritter initially saw Taylor sort of trail on that vertical, but didn't see him come off fairly early in that play and just basically got locked in on that throw in that read. And it was an easy interception for Taylor. And then you saw the saints turn that into points. And then you had the next series where the Falcons missed a potential deep ball, another big play to Drake London, where that was also almost picked by the deep safety. And again, I think uh Ritter kind of misread the leverage on that play that resulted in three and out saints got more points. And then I thought Ritter in the offense put together a nice drive on, on the subsequent drive after that uh, second saint score in the second half. Uh, in the middle of the third quarter, uh, you had some really nice throws from Ritter on that drive. Uh, really nice plays from Bijan. Cordero Patterson did a, a great job on a couple of plays with getting yards after the catch, yards after contact. But then, of course, the Falcons stalled on the goal line. Um, and, you know, the third and one, at, from, the third and goal from the one, you know, the Falcons try to a read option play, something that they've run a bunch this season when they've gotten in those sort of goal-to-goal situations. And I think the Saints kind of read it beautifully, right? Similar to kind of the interception early in the quarter. It was like those two plays, right? The Saints kind of knew what was coming and and, and played it perfectly and really, uh, you know, thwarted the Falcons there. And then, of course, on the fourth and goal, Ritter missed the throw to Bijan, an open Bijan, due to poor footwork uh, on that play. And so, you know, that was kind of the last chance for the Falcons to kind of make it a game. And it was clearly over at that point going into the fourth quarter. And it goes back to that conversation I had earlier where it just felt like the Falcons were just a, a smidge away. Right. You can argue that interception, that uh, goal to goal situation there, those those sort of two plays there on that fourth down in that interception were kind of what broke them in this game. Right. And, you know, you look at it. And you say, okay, 41 to 17, you're you're sitting here telling me, Aaron, that you know, two plays was the difference between that score. Obviously, a lot of other things happened in this game. But, you know, if you can get your interdimensional, interdimensional device and and go to the alternate reality where Ritter doesn't throw that interception in Alante Taylor, instead checks it down to to Bijan, who potentially is going to get a big gain on that play, similar sort of running uh, a, a crosser. And, you know, the Falcons, you know, whether they score on that drive or not. Um, you know, don't the Saints don't get the ball back and score subsequently and then do score on the, the, the fourth down. Um, you know, it's potentially a 24-24 game going into the fourth quarter is basically the point I'm trying to make. And, and anything could happen after that point. So, you know, we'll eventually get to the extended All-22 review for the Locked on Falcons insiders. Link in the description below if you want to get that high-definition breakdown of some of these plays. We'll talk about Ritter. We'll break down some Ritter plays. We'll probably look at some of the run game stuff with the, the questionable blocking, um, you know, which is something we've touched upon on this already this week on the podcast of one of the downfalls for Arthur Smith. So we'll reiterate that point and we'll look at some of the coverage plays as well on that extended all 22 review. So if you want access to that, hit the link in the description below at joinsubtext.com slash locked on Falcons. Um, we'll, you know, it's, it's 14 day free trial, four ninety nine a month. Um, obviously we won't be breaking down Falcon games um, in the off season, but we'll probably be looking at, you know, college prospects, you know, other potential free agents, all that stuff and more. So it's still a worthwhile product for you guys if you want to subscribe and, and check it out for the next two weeks uh, on a free trial. But, you know, the last little tidbit I'll touch upon before we wrap up 
uh, today's episode is sort of, you know, one of the things the broadcast pointed out was schematically how the Falcons played a lot of man in that week 12 game and then relied heavily on zone in this game. That seemed to be backed up by my charting of the defense. Um, I think some of that, the choice for that is owed to the injury to Cade Ellis early in the game that led, you know, the, the, the Falcons, once they put Andre Smith in the game and pretty much anytime they played man coverage, the saints went after Andre Smith, you know, it was a problem for him in coverage. And I think some of that is owed to the fact that Clark Phillips was the outside corner starting in this game this time in week 18 versus Jeff Akuda was that starter in week 12. And we've discussed all year long, how Akuda's strengths are playing press man and his weaknesses zone and, Phillips has the opposite sort of uh, strengths and weaknesses. And it's part of the reason why, like, I, you know, I'm a quote unquote hater of, of Clark Phipps. Uh, you know, just, I just never really understood the vision of the team of drafting a guy that doesn't really fit the style of defense that they clearly were trying to, to build under Ryan Nielsen, which is more of that press man style. Uh, and that's why, you know, I'm lower on Clark Phillips than other players. I think he's a good player, but like, I just don't see the upside that other people see. So, you know, We'll see what happens with Clark Phillips and his defense because, you know, potentially with the coaching change, we might bring in a scheme that is more suited to Clark Phillips's strengths and whatnot. So that will be something to keep an eye as this coaching search goes on. But those are sort of my final thoughts on the Falcons all 22 this season. Uh, if you just curious, you know, even whether you're interested in the Saints game, just curious to see those breakdowns from the other 16 games played this season. Of course, you'll have access to that if you join uh, you know, our subtext as a lockdown Falcons inside link in the description below. But guys, it's going to do it for us on today's. We should be back with some draft talk, more coaching conversations as well. And then that will continue uh, throughout the week. Um, you know, next week as we this coaching search unfolds. But really hope you guys continue to make us your first listen, first watch each and every day throughout this offseason. You know, we are a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.